Welcome back to the Indiana Jones Minute, the podcast in which we celebrate and discuss the film Raiders of the Lost Ark one minute at a time. I'm Tom Taylor from IamTomTaylor.com. I'm Pete from PeteRemembers.com. I'm Jerry from... I'm Jerry. And I'm Scott, a salesman for Skype. <laughs> if you want Skype. a choppy signal it's the best <laughs> in quotes it's the best <laughs> <clears throat> all right well thanks for coming back thanks for braving the the channels and the signals and everything scott and coming back to join us for minute 39 thank you for having me absolutely still excited it, it's just getting more exciting because minute 39 begins with marion calling india bum and it ends with her uh, being carried off in a hay cart. And uh, Marion walking the streets of Cairo with Indy, buying sousaphones and trinkets and things, seems to be 100% fine with everything that she was furious at Indy for, you know, back in Nepal. She's like, easy breezy, hanging out with Indy, you know, water under the bridge, you know. She's feeling fine about everything. It's true. She's well, said, the... yeah, she's she's out of she's out of uh, Nepal. Yeah, but she's even like making jokes about like, you know, I guess it's sort of Indy's joke, but like, you know, it took a lot for you to alienate Abner. You know, he's like, not much, just you. But she sort of knows that she's setting him up for that line kind of. She must. Yeah. Well, like I said, it was a real snuggle snuggle uh, plane ride. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Hey, it works for them. She's They're a cute soft, couple. Yeah. I'm happy for them. Yeah, you do get a sense. It's like, yeah, we're back in the saddle. This is good. You know, it's like yeah. it's, there's a real chemistry between them. So it's good stuff. What's, fa- what's fascinating is that, you know, the first, all those, oh, about, I don't know, 15 minutes ago or so, we were saying, maybe it's 10, we were talking about little, what, a, what a jerk and what a cad and, you know, Indy was. And here... You kind of because he walks into Marion's bar and he's like, "It's a worthless medallion. You gonna give it to me? Come on, you know." <laughs> right. And and then here it's like for some reason, you you kind of you always give him the benefit of the doubt, even when he's he's you're like, "Eh, maybe he's being manipulative." I don't know. I I guess I always do. It always seems that way because you're like, "Oh yeah," he, you remember when he he apologizes in the bar to her and he's like, "I said I'm sorry." And she's like, well, say it again anyway. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, he seems to actually be, like, he wants to mend it in he, this scene. Yeah. He knows he, wants he did something to mend Oh, I think yeah. he's totally, totally into the idea of rekindling a romance. I mean, it seems oh, like he's trying to play it cool. But from the second he says, it, when he's packing to, to leave on the trip, and it's like, oh, do you suppose she'll still be with him? You know? All the way up to this moment and through the rest of it, it's like you can tell he is just as excited about, you know, there's just this, oh, what could happen? What could happen? Yeah. We're back in each other's lives again. It really it really shows up on screen. Yeah, it sounds like 
you know, we don't know exactly what happened, but we can fill in the blanks that he handled whatever their relationship was back then completely the wrong way. And today he'd probably be in jail for it, but <laughs> that he actually sincerely has actual feelings for her and he feels like a jerk for what happened, for what he did. Uh, but, you know, he's trying to move past that, it seems. And I hope I get, they can do it. I get the sense that she she's mad at him for not being braver about, all right, so we got caught, you know, in this illicit affair and my father caught us and the society caught us. But then you ran off. You know, you, you, you couldn't you couldn't take the heat. And, yeah. uh, you know, that she's taking him to task for that, not for, you know, that the heartbreak came from the fact that he wouldn't be brave with her. That uh, sounds, that's always my sense of it. Well, that I mean, if you read like again, if you read like the stuff that was cut out of like the screenplay and stuff, it sounds m- that it might be a little bit more like that. But if you just go from what's in the movie, it sounds like he just straight up took advantage of her and had no intention of like having like a relationship or anything or, you know, really, I don't well, know that that was yeah. well, that was always my read on it, but I don't really know. I don't know. I've never read those other things. Oh, okay. You know, I'm only ever going by the movie, but maybe it's just what I want to have been the. Well, yeah. Sort of what I want to read into these characters. You know, that you they can't were, have this conversation. They really were a team. Yeah, you can't have this conversation without being like, wait, just how creepy is Indiana Jones? Yeah, well, like, what yeah, exactly yeah. are we talking about? That's <laughs> true. But in the end, he's a good guy, and he protects her from a bunch of fighting marauders who run into the thing to the strains of bouncing flutes and violins and things which is everything awesome. about this scene is fantastic it's like a keystone cops opera and it's like the music's fantastic it's whimsical but it's menacing and everything's great it's the cl- classic uh, john williams you know urban cairo market mischief <laughs> yeah kind of kind of like the the south american pompous mischief yeah music it's it, it it's uh, reminiscent of that you're big on the mischief I am, I am. But what completely creeps me out about this whole thing, though, is it is Keystone Cops and Capers. Oh, my, you know, except when that one guy gets completely skewered. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he goes, yeah. he goes, ah! And right. Like, it's like a awful blood-curdling scream that gets kind of <laughs> edited out really quick. He goes, ah! Oh, yeah. yeah. And well, then he pulls it out. <laughs> yep. And you're like, Jesus, you, that's the sort of thing you'd leave in <laughs> to quell or stem the bleeding. And you'd be <laughs> right. like, you're just making yeah. it worse. Yeah, you're but just making it worse. You're like, you're pulling a lemon bleed out on the street. Say, yeah, it's such a nice touch because he's got two pieces of fruit skewered on the end, too. <laughs> I was going to say somebody comes up and squeezes a lemon into the wound right behind him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that sword actually stings more coming out because it's got lemon juice all over it. Like, we're all having fun. And it's like, hey, and he's like, duck. And you're like, yo. And then that happens. You're like, oh, my God. That man just died. He had a family. <laughs> so, Tom, you brought this up a couple minutes ago. But what are, what are the guys trying to do here? Are they trying to kill him or are they just trying to scare him? I mean, it seems what's happening, they're trying to kill him. What's weird is I don't know if we can fully answer that in this one minute. But it's an, it, it's because, yeah, it seems like I don't know. I'll just say that, like, yeah, it seems like right now they're obviously trying to kill them. And I'm not totally sure why. I guess it's just because, I mean, the, I guess it makes sense if Belloc is like, oh, Indiana Jones is in town. He's still going to be going after the Ark. He's good. 
he's not as good as me, but he's good. We need to keep him at bay and or, you know, keep him out of the picture completely. Put him on ice is what I'm saying. Take care of him. I think so, that's definitely it. Yeah, I think yeah. He has to be he the both of them, they have to be sort of gotten out of the way because they you know, he doesn't have the he has what he thinks is the information, but he doesn't have the headpiece. Uh, he doesn't his stuff is sort of second rate. And yeah. he knows that the first rate party is still out there and still at large and and I think he can see exactly what happens. You know, what winds up happening, I think he could see that coming a mile away, especially if he has this this uh this you know sort of backstory with Indiana Jones where yeah. they just dog dog each other around the world forever. Right. Um I think he I, he figures we got to do the, do away with this guy. Yeah. Well, B- Belloc always comes across as civilized, but at the end of the day it's like he thinks nothing of killing you. Right. Oh no. And that's yeah, and that's yeah, oh, that's oh. sort of yeah, and and it's kind of it's kind of dark actually. Yeah, he's very uh pistols at dawn, you know, gentlemanly killing each other kind of guy. <laughs> but he's very colonial about it. I don't know, it. man. Yeah. I mean, he's the same guy who also just, you know, lets a guy with with 60 darts in his back, you know, yeah. just kind of throws him down in front of him saying, "All right, deal with that." You right. Know? But he looks <laughs> and then, great and then doing laughs it. when he kind of sicks the entire Hovidos nation yeah. on Indy mm-hmm. and turns around and laughs at him. You know, it's it's this is not a nice guy. No. But you know, he and seemingly great. has He's made dapper. his career on. It seems like the both of these guys they just make their career on stealing other people's hard work. I mean, Indy <laughs> right. is certainly doing that in this movie. It's been said a lot that well, he doesn't really do anything in the movie, and it's the Nazis who make the big discovery. If you really stop and think about it, it's like well, the entire party, you know, paid for by Hitler. You know, it's like well, this is the Hitler expedition, and it uncovered Tannis. You know, oh, the Nazis have discovered Tannis, and they act like oh, that's something we could just steal right there. But it's. This is a major, major thing. This is something, you know, Admiral Ravenwood tried to do for decades on end without any success. Um, yeah, what do you think, think of that uh, that theory that uh, I haven't actually read it, but, you know, it's like an Internet thing that, that, yeah, that Raiders would play out exactly the same even if Indiana Jones weren't involved. Is that the idea? I guess. I never, I don't know. I don't hold that, a lot of stock in those types of yeah, things because it's like, well, I don't much care what the, what the functioning of that world is outside of this story. You're telling me a story. Tell me a story. It's like, I don't care what the world is like outside of it. Right. I'm not, I don't really hold much to world building. So the idea that, well, this could go on without Indy, it's like, well, yeah. But, but it also doesn't make sense. Like better he, with him. Not to spoil anything, but he's the one who actually finds where the actual well of souls is, you know, and he, he does everything. He's the hero of the movie. <laughs> he does <Right>. everything. <laughs> yeah. Why it's his arguing? ingenuity that, that actually, you know, makes it so that they find the Ark. If not, they just found the dumb, you know, well, they found this map room and that's a big deal for, you know, the spirit of archaeology, but it is not going to get you the Ark. No. You know, it takes Indy's brains to do that. Well, the interesting thing is uh, you think, look, Belosh would do much better (laughs) if he just kept Indiana Jones alive all the time. Yeah, let him do the work again. (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of like a a aura on the back of a shark. It's like, you don't (laughs) want to kill the shark. Right. You know? Oh, and conversely, like Indy probably does better because Belloc keeps stealing his stuff. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, he wouldn't be motive. He wouldn't be quite so motivated uh, to win this thing if it wasn't the fact that Belloc was involved right off the bat. Like the second he, you know, we've buried it in in tales of his sort of bad, silly laughter, you know, bad acting, and this 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 kind of canned moment that we have. But like, 
clearly when he realizes Belloc is involved, it gets all the juicier for Indy. I think. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a big, big deal. Now, he immediately goes shopping. <laughs> yeah, right? He's like, I need a rug. I need some dates. That's if true. I'm gonna if I'm gonna go up against this guy, I need some dates. <laughs> hey, look, you eat them. Yeah. Yeah. Belloc doesn't know that. No. She'll be but all right. Steal them from me. <laughs> so um, what about this fight? The this fight, fight is, is awesome. I really like Marion hitting that guy over and over with the jerry can. Like yeah, just very gently. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and I also want to know what the people everybody in the background is kind of like yelling and shaking their fists but are they are they are they angry at like Indy and Marion or are they angry at the guys or are they even angry are they just like rooting for like yeah get them or are they I think they're rooting I think it's like they love a fight <laughs> sort of, they yeah. like a good fight actually I was in in preparation for this I was watching this with my son and you know he's 13 and so to sort of makes a 13 year old he's seen this movie before he knows how much i love it it's not he's he he accepts its undeniable goodness you can't watch this movie at any age and and at any point in time and not come away thinking well that was great right but he doesn't live and die by it the way somebody who might uh choose to take it apart minute by minute and then talk about (laughs) it on a podcast (laughs) Um, and 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 his generation maybe never will but um when you watch this with a 13 year old and you say well look at the action scene you have an action scene that takes place. It's almost all wide shots. It's wide shots and medium wide shots. And the only time they ever go in for a close up is for some piece of business. It's either like for a joke, a line of dialogue, duck, you know, yeah. but everything else is taking place wide. And what you get is this tremendous amount of background acting. And you're able after the 157th viewing of this to start thinking, well, what's that guy in the turban in the back jumping up and down <laughs> <Right>. for? <laughs> and it's kind of amazing. And it gives the whole thing this sort of life where it's like, these guys just love a good fight. Like, look at yeah. them, you know. And so if I you're, think they're happy about it. And if you're thinking about, you know, if you're if you've got I mean, especially in today's, you know, CGI filled world and stuff. There's, you know, you're kind of accepting that most of what you're seeing is fake. But when you see a scene like this with like so few cuts and so much of the action is just taking place in one shot like that, you're like, oh, like, oh, they, it took them a long time to figure this out and to choreograph this and to plan it exactly right. And it's like, it's like seeing a real, you know, car chase or car crash in a movie. You're like, wow, those guys got in that car and they drove the car into the wall and they knew exactly what they were doing, so they weren't going to get killed. Like there was a lot of effort that went into this that you're actually right. seeing actually happen on screen. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot awesome. like it. It all feels reminiscent of the uh, the car chase in the French Connection. Yeah, which was done at that speed and was <laughs> right. done without permits. Without if you can permission. Such a thing. Yeah. Like seriously, they took the thing under the Allen Queens and did that, and there was a cameraman strapped to that car. Yeah, and it's similar to that. It's not quite. And actually, I think that. They may even have had, you know, uh, aspirations to do something uh, that big. And I think the rigors of production in this little town, um, the, the, the production designers and everybody had sort of said that shooting in this little town that's standing in for Cairo was really hard because the, the streets are very narrow. Mm-hmm. The extras were hard to corral. It was 110 degree. Everything about it was like really tough. So the action scenes got scaled down and scaled down and scaled down. But to our you know, uh, sense as an audience of what's going on, I think it feels perfectly scaled. Like it's really, it's fast, it's fun. It's, it's, it's no bigger and no more grand than it needs to be. Right. Well, it it comes across as, as we said, like they, they do, 
what would be sort of classic fight scenes or classic good guy, bad guy, or, you know, and it's, it's right out of the old serials or, you know, but they, they still do it so well. Sure. And, and sometimes it's even harder to pull out just a classic, you know what I mean? It's just, just harder to pull off something that's, you know, it's, it's really a, a, a throwback or homage to that type of, we were talking about this in the early minutes and they, they still, it's so well acted and the music is great and the fight scenes, although you're like, that's really Keystone cop sort of thing. You, you love it. You're not like, this is corny. Right. Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's exactly it. It's like, it's, it's, if you start from a place of, Hey, this is meant to be a little corny. I think star Wars does the same thing where it's like, look, this is meant to be a little bit Pollyanna-ish. It's meant to be a little bit simplistic. And if you go with us that far, we're going to give you something that just will take you away. Um, it is just going to transport you. And I think that it's, it's, there's absolutely no wonder that it's the same people at work here because it, <laughs> it, it, that really is a great way to think about a relationship with an audience is just to be like, yeah, I'm going to give you something and it's not going to be, uh, it, it, I'm not going to pre-sell it as something super grand. I think it's probably where all subsequent, uh, iterations of these movies and prequels to star Wars and even the current stuff. It's like, it all feels too grand. Right. It's carrying too much weight. And this movie is light as a feather. Yeah, uh, because it's not trying that hard. It's I, I think it's 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 really something. What's the also interesting. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, the genre is it sounds stupid. It's like oh, Marshall McLuhan says the medium <laughs> is the message. But it Nerd. really feels like, well, the this genre, it's like it is the answer. What am I going to see? You're going to see this. Right. It's very simple. There's there's two things at the end of this minute that I never noticed. And they're really, really interesting. One, I never knew, you know, when. Indy pulls out the magical bullwhip and you're like, you know, once again, you're like, Oh my God, there it is saving everything. Right. And I never noticed at first you're like, Oh, it keeps the attackers at bay. And you're like, sure. He pulls it out in this defensive and then almost offensive maneuver. But then I never really realized that you're like, and it starts the cart right. for Marion's getaway. Right. Yep. All I right. think there was supposed like, to be an, I think oh, it was supposed to be an insert shot of the horse getting spooked by the whip. I think that's supposed to happen, and we don't really see it. Ah, that's a good um, point. It sort of seems like that. I think that's then, what it is. And then after that, and I have a question. I didn't notice this. Maybe, maybe you guys picked up on it. But at the very, very end of the minute, you see the cart. You know, the cart's being pulled away, and you see Indy's back with with the whip, and, and it's it's basically Marion's view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're looking at Marion's view, and I was looking, and I'm like, do they? ever ever have that type of view again or point of view again yeah, where point of view it, shot. yeah a point of view shot but it's not indie or not like whatever you want to say with the narrator or whatever you know do they ever just show you like oh this is what it looks like from where toad is right that's interesting yeah i don't know it, it almost seems i love the shot but there's something about it that seems out of place almost well, it definitely it, it, it gives you some sense that like, well, this is about to be something that's going to take place from two pe- people's point of view. You know, it's we've everything in this movie so far from the very telegraphed uh, indie sort of, um, you know, closing in on that idol and where the, the camera is, his point of view. Um, you see you experience everything in this movie from Indy's point of view. But in this moment, you're about to go with Marion on a bit of a ride. Yeah. 
And that shot, I think, sort of signals that um, very quickly, very sort of subconsciously. Yeah, she's moving away toward half of the chase. The choice to to place that camera, um, you know, that's not an easy shot to get. Uh, It's uh, not an easy shot to decide to put in unless you want to make it a very, you know, have a very uh, specific impact. And they, they, they made that choice. Yeah, and you're like, you're like, oh, I'm on the cart. I can, I'm in the hay. Right. <laughs> you, just, you know, and you're just yeah. like, I, I can't think. I mean, maybe it shows up, maybe, but I can't think of another place where I'm, I'm thinking like I have that. I'm like, I'm on the back of the white horse. <laughs> right. Or right. I'm right. going right. under a truck or whatever it is. Right. No, it, it's very rare in this movie, I think. Yeah, I'll have to so think good. ahead now, sort of play it all down in my head. But I don't, I don't think it happens much. Um, but it's pretty significant here. I have a, uh, oh, what? I was going to say, can I ask a question involving hay? Please do. Uh, where does a desert country get hay? (laughs) You know, hay is, as I understand it, and I thought this while watching this today, so I looked it up. (laughs) Desert countries (laughs) that don't have a lot of grass and maybe right on the banks of the Nile, you get tall grass, but that's not going to produce you know hay that's for horses uh which looks like what's in that cart you know rolling the hay style hay uh i believe that in the current day and god knows what it was like back in the 30s we sell hay to desert countries like we sell a significant amount of hay to saudi arabia to feed their cattle um so where the hell is this hay coming from? And why isn't it the most precious thing in the market square? It seems to be this whole, these clips show that this is mostly a pots and pans based economy that all of the, <laughs> all the vendors are selling pots. And if you go back and look at all these, all these minutes, it's like, Oh, yep. A big stand full of pots over here, stand full of pots over it there. It was the pot festival. He just happened yeah. to be in town for it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Marion steals one, which you're surprised you don't then see the bizarre, you know, the, 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 uh, shopkeeper going, hey, give me that pot. My pot. Right. It's My mine. Um, but but in the midst of all that, a cart that's just brimming with hay and dropping hay on the ground, and that would be a very dear commodity, I think, in a, in a desert country. So what is that? Like what what weird old west, you know, <laughs> spaghetti western notion of like what to put in a cart? Uh, what's going on there? That might be some black water scandal thing. <laughs> Could be. You went there. Yeah, I did. Well. <laughs> well, well, let me the, ask the, a question about... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Pete. I was going to say that hay falls off of the cart. I always kind of wondered why she didn't just jump off the cart. She might be glad to be getting away from the, the fight for the time being. Or well, something. I think that that might be a, an answer for another minute or a discussion for another minute. Could be. If she gets off, the movie's over right there. So, because <laughs> the arc is in the cart underneath the hay. So it's, yeah, it'd be too easy, too easy. Um, super, super quick. By the way, before yeah. we get off this moment with the whip, I do believe this is like the practically the only time in all of these movies that the whip is used as a weapon in the sort of Lash Larue sense. Like if they pitched it, oh, he's he's got a whip. That's his weapon. It's great. Yeah. Uh, whips against swords and whips against guns and it's like he only ever uses it to grab stuff including occasionally a lady <laughs> and uh in this case it's being used to kind of whip guys in the face and and like you said keep them at bay or worse um and it's the only time i think you ever see that he takes god that you might be out. right i think so that's, that's incredible. incredible yeah that is incredible well let me ask you this 
do you think, and I don't necessarily mean this as a, to be logged in our ongoing list, but do you think that the bullwhip is a uh, clumsy and random weapon? <laughs> Not so much as a blaster. Okay, <laughs> just checking. Uh, That'd be funny, though, because India has both. an elegant weapon. It is, from a more civilized age, the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> the jazz age. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, I have a question written down here, and I swear to you that I wrote it down before I knew that the guest this week was going to be an editor. Is yeah. editing the key to this movie? Because in the, in the moment that, I'm going backwards a little bit, but the moment that made me think of this is the Marion duck, and he shoves yeah. her head down, and it seems to me, watching it for, for, the, for these minutes, the timing of her head coming back up is perfect oh it's so great like if it it's, is. An, it's an awesome moment and if she came up a second earlier or if the if the image lasted a second longer it would just it would fall much flatter and be very weird but the timing is perfect of that and i wonder if that is like the unsung key to this movie well again you may be asking a, a, a somewhat biased <laughs> yeah. person and I did not want to take all these minutes and sort of uh, pull them into my strict area of expertise. No, um, it's awesome. But, but Michael Kahn is a genius. Yeah. Uh, I had the same remark in my notes. It says the shot where Marion rises back into frame is priceless. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny and it's, it's, uh, and like I said before, where, when you have a, an action scene that's only taking place in, in wide shots and medium wide shots. And when you punch in, it's strictly to do little bits of business like this. Yeah. Um, you're right. It happens. The timing of it is exquisite. It's just she comes up at exactly the right second. You're you're reeling like the swordsman who gets whacked. You're reeling from the shock of that and the the Ben Burt punch of that. And it's literally it's that juicy, meaty Ben Burt punch. <laughs> it's like this 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 little bit right here, this little like, you know, 72 frames of stuff we got going on here is firing on all cylinders. You've got Ben Burt doing his best stuff. You've got Harrison Ford with the hat. This is like iconic stuff. And then at exactly the right second, you've got easily the best, uh, the greatest bystander in all these movies. You know, Marion is, you know, and it's reductive. It's, it's, it's awful to call her a bystander, but she's frequently relegated to that position. But in here, she gives uh, standing by, a tremendous amount of character and a tremendous amount of heart. And it's done at exactly the second you need it. Yeah. You know, when you're reeling from that punch and suddenly you just see this little bit of humor and you realize, okay, we watched a guy get run through. We watched, <laughs> you know, we're watching some pretty serious, humor, but this is still at its heart. Uh, a kind of a, uh, it's an endeavor with some heart to it, I guess is, yeah. is what that look says. Um, and it's funny. It's just genuinely funny. Um, so d- is editing the key? Editing is the key to all movies, I think. <laughs> um, no, you're not wrong. But that's because it's a nice paycheck and you like to collect <laughs> one. When, so you say stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's a, it's a great observation. Yeah. It's, it's, when you watch, like, uh, as I have recently for this, watching some like behind-the-scenes stuff and you see like alternate takes of stuff and you see scenes sort of like being filmed – and you're like, oh, that looks a little dorky. That looks like a little like actors in a room pretending to be other people. But then, so what's the difference between that and what's on the screen? And uh, I think a lot of it has to be like just, you know, the exact precision of like taking all those pieces and putting them together exactly the right way. 
It makes a huge difference. It makes it into this movie. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Michael Kahn is just like everyone in this movie is is doing their absolute just tip top work. But Michael Kahn is 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 no exception. Really, really amazing. Yeah. Well, then, Pete, uh, where can people uh, get in touch with us and carefully edit their um, emails to us and things? Yeah, please edit your responses. Check us out on Facebook and check us out at IndianaJonesMinute.com. And join us here tomorrow for Minute 40 of Raiders of the Lost Ark here on the Indiana Jones Minute. Duck! Duck! I don't even know what you're doing, Jerry.